So, hey guys, this is a new podcast. Welcome back. Uh, this is going to be uh, about the town of Shakespeare, New Mexico. Uh, I have the owner, one of the owners on the phone, and uh, we're going to be talking about the history, about the town of Shakespeare, and you can find out more information if you want by checking out www.shakespeareghosttown.com. And they're also on Facebook. So if you get on their Facebook page, the Facebook page is updated all the time. And there's uh, tours and there's things going on at the ghost town. And they're always posting cool pictures. So you want to check them out at uh, ShakespeareGhostTown.com and uh, Shakespeare Ghost Town on Facebook. And uh, you guys are going to be blown away by what you've seen. If you get a chance, you can go over to my YouTube page at HVAC Reefer Guy MM. There's a four-minute video about the town of Shakespeare. Um, and I, I honestly, my wife and I, in October of 2019, went to the town of Shakespeare. This guy picks up the phone. Because on the website it said tours were scheduled only. And the guy picks up the phone and he's like, yeah, come on down, we're open. And, and I, oh my God, I was like crazy. I was in Deming, New Mexico. and Oh no, Lordsburg. I was in Lordsburg, New Mexico. And we stopped in to get some gas. And this guy picks up the phone. He says, yeah, come on up. And we come up and I was like blown away. I, I fell in love with it immediately. And, and I was probably the, Dave will probably even tell you, I was probably a little nutty because, um, I fell in love with it really quick and I could not get Shakespeare out of my head. I still to this day, um, 56 year old guy. And I think about Shakespeare all the time because it's hard to find ghost towns that haven't been commercialized and haven't been vandalized and haven't had any love and care, and Dave and his family love and care for the ghost town. So welcome, Dave. How you doing? Good, man. So how did you guys come to the ghost town? How did you guys end up in Shakespeare and running it and owning it? Um, well, uh, you know, uh, my wife's father, uh, you know, uh, was staying here and caring for uh, Shakespeare before I got here and uh, you know he, he got ill and uh, passed away on us so we came here from Ohio to take care take care you know to basically take care of the town and uh, you know keep it open for people to come and enjoy um, you know he had married uh, uh, Janelou Hill who, uh, whose parents bought the town in 1935 and uh, when they bought the town in 1935, they uh, they bought it as a cattle ranch. And, uh, and you know, history really wasn't what Janelou's dad had in mind. But uh, Janelou's mother was a former school teacher, and uh, she noticed the old buildings and started talking to the people down in Lordsburg and started collecting the history of the town. And uh, you know, uh, after Janelou was born, you know. Uh, started uh, basically started preserving the history and uh, you know Janelou uh, continued on with that legacy of preserving the history and married my father-in-law in, -law in uh, 1984 and uh, you know with my uh, Janelou's passing in 2005 and then uh, my father-in-law passed away in uh, May of 2018 well that left us to come out here and keep it going so you guys the family comes out here from 
wherever, Midwest, I believe. And you guys move into the house. There's a house on the, on the property. You move into the house. Was like your first week there, were you overwhelmed by it? Because it's a big place. Did you have clear direction of what you wanted to do? Or have you learned that ghost town, that Shakespeare has an energy about itself and kind of takes you in the direction that you need to go? Um, well, uh, you know, my, like I said previously, my father-in-law was here before and, um, you know, we would come down here on vacation from Ohio and, uh, you know, we would come out here, I don't know about every year, but every year we could afford to come out here, you know, while I was here to visit him. Um, so, you know, I wasn't really overwhelmed. I kind of knew what, what I was getting into when we came down here to do this. And, uh, yeah, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Shakespeare's a special place. So, you know, I didn't really, it's just, uh, I don't know how to quite put that and put it in words. It's just a, a special place to be and uh, just move on and just try to uh, do what we can. So when when I came to the town, there's two sections of um, Shakespeare. One is the, te- the section that is preserved where the tour mostly hangs in the town and people can explore. And then there's another section of the town that was that that's got a building or two that's next to it and when you look at the town itself it's it's pretty big right it's it's not just what you see there's areas to explore and there's a lot of history there in the beginning so when the town was originally developed i think it was called mexican springs because it was just it was around water right well, yeah, and it really wasn't a town during that time. Uh, during Mexican Springs, uh, you know, it, it would have been it would have been a watering hole for Indians originally for Apaches, and then uh, you know later on as time went on, you would have had uh, you know wagon trains coming through, and you know you'd have Mexican nationals coming up as well um, during that time. And it was actually called Mexican Springs right up till the end of the Civil War. And, you know, even during the Civil War, you would have had both the Confederates from Texas here at, at one point and also uh, the California Column of Union as well because of the spring. And actually, uh, you know, they found silver in the hills in 1870, and uh, that's what started its very first mining boom. And it was actually, you know, even before that, shortly after the Civil War, it was actually called Grant for a couple of years until about 1869, 1870. And uh, then it became Ralston City because they discovered silver here and got together with the president of the bank in San Francisco, and he funded it. Uh, William Ralston funded the town, and so they named the town Ralston City in his honor. Um, and this mining boom uh, was a, th- a three-year period between 1869-1870 to about 1872-1873, and uh, it was blown up because of a diamond hoax at that point. So we'll uh, talk about the diamond hoax because that's a pretty cool story. But when so then you have all of that going on with the Mexican Springs. They're going. The town is starting to build. When did the first building start to show up? Was that when silver was discovered, or was the buildings before that? Um, though there were there were a couple buildings before that because uh, actually in 1856 the army put a, uh, what they call a mail station here. The buildings called the mail station. It really wasn't upper mail, however. It was a stop in between uh, Fort Thorne and Fort Buchanan, which uh, uh, our 
over by, one's by El Paso and the other one's uh, by Tucson. And it was basically a stop in between the two forts, um, you know, where they could water up their horses because of the spring or change their horses out or anything else that they needed to do at that time. Uh, and, uh, you know, they actually had their little, uh, little uh, mail station that they had there, but they also had a little commissary here as well. So all of that's going on. When was, when did it really, when was silver discovered? Or was silver the first, because I do want to talk about the diamond, the diamond hoax, but when was the, was silver the first mineral that was really discovered of value? Yes. Yes, silver. In, like, in 1869, 1870, they did discover silver. And how much? And that was what got it going. And how much silver was pulled out? Um, you know, I'm not exactly sure uh, how much silver they actually pulled out of the mines. To be truthful. Now, are the mines still on the property, or have they been exploded and closed up? There are still mines here. We, however, do not own the mines. Uh, the mines are owned, owned by uh, the mining companies, mm-hmm. and they are closed up. So but there would be, during that time, there would be many mines throughout the years. I mean, awesome. throughout the hill. Um, and so there are several mines in the area. Cool. So you got the silver. That's going, the, the town is beginning to build. So let's talk about the town. There, there was restaurants. There, was a ho- there were hotels. There were saloons. What were some of the things that, you know, that, that started popping up in Shakespeare? You know, the majority of the buildings, uh, you know, this, this being during the first mining boom, there would have been about 3,000 miners here. They would have all flocked here quickly and then all left after the diamond hopes. But uh, during this first period, um, you know, a lot of the buildings you would have had, you would have had uh, a lot of adobe uh, adobe houses littered throughout the hills. But uh, the main part of town, which we walked on during the tour, um, during the payday, would have had a lot of saloons because you have a lot of miners. There were actually uh, records of 17 different saloons. Um, but you got to figure there uh, were a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of miners and not many, uh, women, uh, you know, so to speak. The women that were here at that point weren't the ones you'd write home to mom about. <laughs> and, um, uh, and, uh, you know, you, you had a, we had, there was one hotel, there's one hotel here and it was originally the army commissary and it was during this first mining boom, it was changed into the hotel, um, of the Stratford and, uh, you know, you would have the stagecoach station. And, uh, you know, um, a lot of the other buildings, there would have been a barber shop. There's an, there was an SA uh, building during this first mining boom. And they, you know, they had a butcher shop and, uh, you know, a meat locker kind of building. And there would have been various things like that here. Um, there were never any schools or churches here at any point. So, but you have something, though, that, that a lot of them don't have. And that is, and I, and I noticed it when I came on the tour and, and we spoke about it, is that the train, where some trains come to the outskirts of town and the rail bed is, is a ways from the town itself and people will walk to the train station. In this case, there's a raised bed and the train actually came through the middle of town. Is that correct? That is correct. And that wasn't until the third mining boom. Um, and during the third mining boom, uh, there would be mining copper in the hills during this mining boom. And, uh, you know, the railroad, uh, didn't go, you know, Shakespeare kind of sits at the base, at the base of the Pyramid Mountain Range. Okay. So when they ran the railroad through in 1880, uh, the railroad did not come to Shakespeare. So, and, uh, so they put a, uh, 
they put the town, they put a stop there in what would become Lordsburg. And originally that brought out a lot of families there. But, um, you know, the, getting back to the railroad, um, they actually, during this third mining boom, they were actually mining copper. Hmm. And uh, when they were mining copper, you know, the rail line was there. So there's a, there's a, a hill that you can actually see some of the mine holes uh, from, from the Shakespeare Gate. And um, they actually ran that rail line through Shakespeare and on up and behind Shakespeare to where this big hill is so they could run an ore car up uh, in the morning and then back at night uh, filled with ore. Well, that's cool because you can clearly see the raised bed. You know, if somebody, when people come in, and, and again, people that are hearing this, you know, folks that are listening to this, I, I cannot urge you enough how amazing and wonderful this tour is. Um, I don't make a penny off this, you know, at all. Like Dave's not paying me anything. And it is an awesome tour. So when you come to Shakespeare, there's little things that you won't see in, in other towns. And one of them is, like I said, that raised bed, because it's odd to see a raised bed in the middle of a town, um, where normally the raised bed is on the outskirts of town or on the edge of town. So that's so they were bringing, now was it a steam train? It was a steam train, I would assume. Yes. And then that went down to Lordsburg. Yeah, that went to Lordsburg uh, probably on a daily basis. Um, yes, that would have been, you know, when they were mining, yeah, I, you know, I'm pretty sure it would have been daily that they would have ran this. You know, and I'll, I'll tell you another another little story, something I, I didn't, you know, a, a little story that I didn't tell you, uh, you know, uh, kind of about this railroad, the railroad tracks going into a little tidbit. You know, when I give tours, it's impossible to give the entire history. Right. Um, but what, one of the little stories that, that I didn't tell you when you were here, that little uh, piece of railroad has a... a you know, a little bit of history in the center of town. And the story is actually from the Prohibition era. And, uh, you know, during the Prohibition era, the general merchandise here, the basement of it would have kind of served as a de facto speakeasy. <laughs> and, um, you know, one, one of the, one of the times they were down, one of the nights they were down there drinking, you know, uh, you had a fight break out, which often happens in saloons. <laughs> and, um, you know, the chairs were flying and, you know, People, you know, fists were flying and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, at the end of this little fight, um, the only real casualty was a young man laying on the floor with a bump on his head. Apparently he got hit with a bottle or whatnot. So being the kind-hearted souls they were, they simply propped him up in the corner and, you know, made sure he, you know, made sure he was okay and went back to their drinking and their gambling and, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, they check on him every once in a while to make sure he was okay. Well... You know, around about, the, you know, 11 o'clock, 11.30, they got to checking on him, and uh, they had one teensy problem. He quit breathing. Now, now they have a, pro a real problem on their hand. It's illegal to gamble. It's illegal to drink. Now they got a dead man on their hands. Um, so they had to try to figure out what to do. Well, you know, they normally ran that uh, train back through at about midnight. So... You know, they put their heads together and uh, to try to figure out what to do with this gentleman. So they dragged him out to the tracks, laid him across the tracks, and his official cause of death became, became he just got hit by a train. So problem solved. That's funny. That's funny. That's a good story. Problem is solved. So, yeah, that's a great story. And if you would have told me, I would have been like, okay, where? Where was he laying? Um, yeah. 
we we've we've kind of hemmed and hawed about the diamond incident. Let's talk yes. about that because it is an important part of the history of the town. It is an important part of the history of the town, and uh, this diamond hoax was uh, rumored to be all over out west at that time. Um, you know, but to hear, but here, uh, stagekeeper Johnny Eviston, the stagekeeper that reopened the stagecoach line after the Civil War, um, you know, uh, you know, him and the other folks here swear it was in the uh, in Lee's Peak here, um, and you know, you get other various, uh, you know, various areas that claim that's you know throughout the West that claim that the diamonds were there um, where the hoax happened because this was a, a big story out west during this during this time and there was a big mystery about where all the diamond where the diamonds were hidden where this diamond mine was um, because they wanted to keep it secret so no one really knew where the diamonds were hidden well supposedly they were hidden in the hills here um and, uh, you know, it became a very interesting thing because, uh, William Ralston, you know, ended up, uh, you know, that ended up busting him. He ended up, uh, you know, falling apart after that. He did end up, uh, you know, I, I remember my history right. He did end up drowning or killing himself by drowning himself or something. But, uh, you know, over this, because he, he basically, this, this ruined him, this diamond hoax. And, you know, and, uh, the town was named after him, um, and I don't really know how much farther to get into into the well, diamond hoax. It, it, it created enough for Ralston to literally dump his entire life savings into mining diamonds that was a lie, and it broke him. It broke him down, um, and it eventually, I believe, he ended his life through suicide just from. From what happened there, I mean, it broke him financially. Um, right, right. Well, they were, you know, they were selling stock in both the New York Stock Exchange and the European Stock Exchange in these diamond mines, uh, and, and and they weren't really even mines because what what was happening was is they were they were planting the diamonds in the anthills and making it look like the ants were digging them up. Um, and it took a geologist to blow it up all as a big hoax when the government sent a geologist out. You know, because uh, you don't you don't. Uh, Diamonds aren't weren't typical for this area. Rubies are, and emeralds weren't either, and they suddenly started to appear appear as well. And you know, when you find diamonds or, or emeralds and rubies and stuff like that naturally, they don't typically have cuts in them already, and uh, ants don't dig them up. Right. So it was a pretty big thing when it was blown up as a hoax. So a lot of people lost their money, lost their butts on it. Yes. Yes, and that, that's what ended the first mining boom, and you know, because people started disappearing from the town because they didn't want to be implicated in the scandal. So it, you had you had multiple mining booms. When did the town of Shakespeare actually go from Ralston to Shakespeare, or was there a, another name change in between between by the time Shakespeare hit? Um, no, you know, after the first mining boom, um, what, what happened was, uh, you know, the town didn't completely die at that point because, um, excuse me, um, you, you, uh, you still had the stagecoach line coming through because of the water source, uh, the spring. And, um, you know, with so many miners there, uh, during the first mining boom, by then you had a general merchandise and, uh, you know, some of the ranchers that were coming here for their supplies at that time would have been the Clantons and McLaurys, uh, for those that are familiar with them. And, um, you know, Curly Bill Brocious was actually uh, hired by the mining companies to help help protect their interest. 
And, uh, you know, Johnny Ringo would have been out here in 1879. And as well as, you know, an English mining engineer also arrived in 1879. And, and him, being an, him being an English mining engineer, he bought up a lot of the good silver mining claims. And uh, he, he couldn't leave the town named Ralston City and convince people to come back because of this diamond swindle. Um, so that, that's, you know, him being an Englishman and being fond of Shakespeare. That's how it got its name, Shakespeare. He changed it to Shakespeare in 1879 to, to kind of brand it as a new camp and convince people to come back to work the mines. And I would assume then that the people did come back after the town of Shakespeare was renamed, and it had a actually it's a it's a pretty cool name, and it did come back. It did reflourish. Well, you know, uh, like like I said, he renamed it in 1879. And, uh, you know, the second mining boom um, would have been from 1879 to 1893. Um, now, what brought people, you know, part of what happened, what helped this, this town during the second mining boom is the railroad went in in 1880 uh, that went down through the flat part that uh, Lloydsburg sits down on today. And uh, when the railroad went through, they put that stop down there that would become Lordsburg. And people would get off at this railroad stop, and it brought them up to Shakespeare. You know, during the second mining boom, you would have had more families than the first mining boom um, because of the railroad. And, uh, you know, there would have been about 600 here during the second mining boom. Wow. But, you know, what eventually started happening was, as time went on, you know, families started moving back down to where the supplies were coming in, down where the railroad was. So Lordsburg would start to grow up this town, and Shakespeare would start to decline. It's still, it's, it's still, though, it was a busy town. Even though the families were closer to where their supplies were at, the, the money being made wasn't being made in Lordsburg. It was being made in, in Shakespeare. Well, yeah, you, you would have been, you know, you, you would have been had, you would have had both towns going eventually. Right. But, you know, initially during the second mining boom, you know, uh, most of the families would be up in Lordsburg. It just naturally, as time went on, you started gravitating more down to Lordsburg. So, the town's moving on, it's doing its thing, it's doing pretty good, and you brought up some very famous people that, including myself, are interested in, and that is you had Johnny Ringo, you had cowboys coming in and out between San Simon, which is over on the Arizona side, you had people coming in and out of Fort Bowie, San Simon, and then you had the cowboys in Shakespeare, correct? They, uh, you know, the, the cowboys, uh, you know, this was, this was their, kind of their home. They would, where they would come and get their mail and stuff. You know, even though the Clantons and the Glories didn't look, live in town, they had a ranch, uh, in Skeleton Canyon originally out there. And, uh, you know, they were all cattle rustlers. Um, you know, that was the cowboys' operation is cattle rustling. And, uh, you know, a lot of people didn't ask questions where they got the cattle from. You know, oftentimes they would sneak down into Mexico and steal the Mexican cattle and come up and sell it. And what ultimately made those gentlemen outlaws is they probably were doing it a little longer than it was socially acceptable. Um, and that ultimately led them to being branded outlaws. You know, but they were just people trying to survive at that time. This was a pretty rough era out here. Uh, and uh, everyone was doing everything they could, you know, and every, anything they could think of to make money to survive on well, I mean, it's, it's you know, I've, I've done this with other podcasts, and I've spoken to other people that, you know, today we look at it and we go, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Then it was a product of the time. It's They didn't know any different. It was everyday life, and they were doing, it was a lawless town. Um, I know that Shakespeare had a, a marshal or a sheriff in town, um, but it was still 
pretty crazy that was going on. You had Johnny Ringo, who was also a frequent visitor, and they would come in and out. So you had Curly Bill, Johnny Ringo, the Clantons, and they were doing all sorts of stuff and coming in and out. But you also had two people that really put Shakespeare on the map and really drew me to it, and that's, that's Russian Bill and Sandy King. So can you talk about that? Um, you, know, you know what, uh, as far as the cowboy element, you know, uh, uh, Russian Bill and, and Sandy King were, um, you know, kind of minor cowboys, and you could say Russian Bill was kind of a wannabe uh, cowboy. Right. Um, you know, he came out here and he tried to fit in with the cowboy element, but he really did never quite fit in. You know, they never really took him serious. Um, and, you know, Sandy had been one of the cowboys, but, he is, you know, he wasn't, uh, how do I say it, he wasn't one of the major cowboys you think of, but you know he was in with the little in with that cowboy element as well. Um, and uh, you know, I guess uh, you know what kind of makes them famous is they were the last two gentlemen to be hung in in the uh, stagecoach station, which was uh, the only, the place where they actually hang hung people here because you know there's there's not any tall trees here or anything to hang people so they would often they would often hang them in the dining room of the stagecoach station but you know russian bill was obviously was russian he came from russia i think his name was bill tannenbaum i'm trying to remember what his first name was his um, last name uh, william tannenbaum william tannenbaum uh, and i'm not sure <clears throat> excuse me i'm not sure i'm pronouncing that correctly um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, William we're, we're pretty close. I'm he sure went, there's somebody by the name of Russian bill. Yeah. And I'm sure there's somebody listening to the podcast yelling it out. It's this, it's this. Um, so when, when Russian bill was, was it, cause he's got a kind of a funny past because he comes here and he's, and he is enamored with the cowboy lifestyle and he ends up dressing himself so ridiculous that people know that he's not a cowboy. I mean, he's very... Right, yeah, his, his stuff was a little too fancy, um, you know, for the, for the uh, you know, for being out here, his stuff was a little too fancy, like, you know, nobody would have shiny guns, and he would have the shiny guns, and, and you know, and dress, he was a fine dresser, um, he did do well with the ladies, um, but, uh, you know, he, he would dress in, in uh, he just dressed a little odd, for most of the cowboy element. So he's, you know, he's, he's doing his thing, but Russian Bill and Sandy King somehow end up annoying the crap out of the town, correct? To where these two men, one is to, one, the town was tired of the lawlessness and they were tired of the craziness and they wanted the cowboys and people that were coming into town to know straight away they're not going to put up with any crap. Right, yeah, and you know, yeah, it, and, you know, that's kind of, uh, kind of how it was, I mean, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, Sandy had already been a thorn in society for several years, and, uh, you know, what ultimately got him hung is he went over the general merchandise and, uh, purchased himself a silk hanky, and, uh, in doing so, uh, the clerk, you know, found it amusing that the tough cowboy was buying himself a silk hanky, so he was making fun of him a little bit. And, um, you know, uh, Sandy didn't take, you know, took offense to this. You know, he didn't, 
uh, didn't take very kindly to being made fun of, so he thought he would teach the clerk a lesson. So he grabbed him by the arm and he shot a finger off. And in, you know, in doing in doing so, you know, the clerk was very well liked, and he not so much. Um, anyway, uh, and the Russian Bill had been a claims recorder in in the uh, Pyramid Mining District south of where Shakespeare sits, and. Uh, when he arrived in town, he had some miners show up after him claiming he robbed them out of a mining claim. You know, when you're, when you're a claims recorder back in this era for, for, uh, for land claims, you know, on mines, uh, for mining claims anyway, and uh, you break that trust, you know, that's more than enough to, to get yourself hung if you start uh, robbing, you know, cheating people out of their mining claims. So they decided they were going to hang Russian Bill for his offense. They might as well hang Sandy at the same time. That way they only have to dig one grave because, you know, the ground out here is very hard and rocky. Very and the standing rule around Shakespeare was you kill them, you bury them. And that kept a lot of the indiscriminate killings down. Um, anyway, the interesting thing about the, the story of these two gentlemen is, you know, they did hear about this little party they're about to be invited to, and they made things even worse. They jumped on two horses that did not belong to them, and they tried to ride out of town. Now, they were gathered back up and, uh, you know, Brought up to the rafters there in, in the dining room, and they were hung. And uh, but they were left there. I mean, that's it's oh, one yeah, thing. They were left there to hang, and you know there are some accounts that they were left there for a few days to hang um, until the stagecoach arrived. And once the stagecoach arrived, the, the passengers had to help cut them down to drag them outside. You know, um, before they could actually push the tables back in and eat. How crazy is that? I mean, you got two guys dead hanging from the ceilings. Um, and when you go to the town of Shakespeare, for those that are listening to this, when you go to the town of Shakespeare, you actually get to go to that building and look on the inside and you can see they're not the actual true ropes, but you can see the ropes hanging from the beams where these two gentlemen were hung. And that, I mean, not only do you read about Shakespeare, but you get to see it. And that I think is cool. So how morbid is it though, that those dudes are just hanging there and people are like going about their day and they're... Eating and doing yeah, well, you know, they don't make much noise hanging there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're awesome guests. They don't eat much. <laughs> no, um, but, uh, um, yeah, you know, it, it was just, uh, you know, death wasn't uncommon out in the West during that time. You know, it was, uh, you know, it was a pretty rough time, you know, and uh, people that lived a long time were pretty rare. <laughs> Um, so it, it being so lawless, you know, the, the militia took their job serious at trying to keep the peace. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like, you know, even though there was no, no sheriff here, it isn't like there wasn't any law here. You know, and, you know, you talk about the Clantons and McLaurys and that bunch. Generally, when the, those type of gentlemen actually came into town, you know, they were very respectful. And because they weren't, you know, if you, if you watch the, like the Tombstone movie, uh, you know, it always makes those guys out to look be like they were such ruthless people. Uh, and you got to realize that's just for Hollywood. Yeah, they weren't, weren't outstanding citizens. You know, they are obviously cattle rustlers, and they weren't generally uh, good people. Um, but they they weren't like as as bad as like the movie makes them out to be. But they were um, they were very respectful, and they weren't hated here in town. They were they were just a, another part of the community. You know, they would get their mail here and stuff like that. Um, Tombstone would later make them famous, but uh, you know it, it, it's neat that they're they're that they're uh, you know part of the history. Um, 
but you know, even while they were getting in trouble in Tombstone, they were still getting their mail here, um, which is pretty interesting. Right. So you have this, you have these awesome cowboys and you know, the people that we read about in history and poor old Russian Bill and Sandy King. There's an awesome piece of history though about Shakespeare that blew my mind. Because it was a part of history that you mentioned and then I came home and I read about. And that is that in the middle of 1870s, a young guy shows up looking for a job. And it's noted that he was really, he was too young and too small for heavy work. And he ended up getting a job washing dishes in town. Yes, well, the story is is that, uh, you know, Billy the Kid, after he... uh, Broke out of jail after being arrested in Silver City. Um, he he shimmied out, shimmied out the chimney. He was probably only about 15 at this point. He shimmied out the chimney uh, to break out of jail in Silver. And he, he came down here to Shakespeare looking to make some extra money uh, to make it into Arizona. Um, and him being only about 15, he was actually too small to work in the mines at that point. So they actually put him to work in the Stratford Hotel uh, washing dishes for uh I don't know if it was a couple of days or a couple of weeks. It wasn't wasn't for real long, but he was here briefly. Right, but, you know, the fact that you have a town like Shakespeare that you can still visit today, and as we're talking, if, you're, if you didn't know, you can see Shakespeare on www.shakespeareghosttown.com, and you can find Shakespeare on Facebook, and they have pictures. So everything that we're talking about, the buildings, the rail bed, Lordsburg, the cemetery, there's a cemetery that is at the entrance to the ghost town. It's all there for you to see. And I, I just cannot, I know that I have followers in Europe. So when, when you guys are planning your trip to Tombstone, please, if you come to Tombstone and leave and do not go to uh, Shakespeare, um, you're you're missing out on part two of amazing history. There's Tombstone and Shakespeare, and you've got to see them both because they're only what are they like an hour apart, hour and twenty minutes apart? I'm not sure the driving time myself. It's like an hour. I mean, how far are you from Wilcox? Um, you know what? I'm not really sure. It's about forty five minutes out much because I'm here here giving tours most of the time. Yeah, so. so you're a couple hours from you're a couple hours from Tombstone and, and that and, and in between Tombstone and and Shakespeare is amazing history. I mean you have the you have we're in Pierce in Pierce area and Turkey Creek is where Johnny Ringo is buried. So he's in between tombstones you can stop at. And the town of San Simon you want to stop at. And Fort Bowie you want to stop at. And Shakespeare and Lordsburg. I mean, there's just so much history in one spot. So to miss Shakespeare would be, would just be, it would be the, it would be a horrible thing. Cause you'd get home, you'd hear the podcast and you're like, oh crap, we got to go back to America to, to see Shakespeare. So in 1870s, Billy the Kid, comes in for a short amount of time and he's you know he's doing things there's also discussion that um that the wild bunch or jack kent uh, or the jack ketchum uh ketchum gang hung out near town and may have also been in town yeah they may have came through town um we don't have any uh you know any uh, I want to say it, real history saying one way or another for sure. I mean, they, they do 
it is it is kind of uh, kind of the oral history that they were through town, and a lot of times they would hang out south of town in you know some of the abandoned mines and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, that that's a part of history that I don't normally tell, and then um, you know uh, <laughs> I don't normally even think about. But yeah, yeah, they would have probably been through you know during their time. Well, and and so when people are hearing you talk about the tour, and this is what I want to let people know too, when you come to to Shakespeare, there's no ATM. There's no place to get cash. So please bring cash. Stop in Lordsburg, get some money. Dave is Dave doesn't have a, a money belt around him. Um, and so, how much are the tours? The tours are seven dollars. Seven dollars a person. Uh, and uh, you know, kids between twelve and six are just three dollars. And uh, we do have what's called a tour weekend. If you look at the website, oftentimes you'll get confused and think. Uh, that uh, you can only get a tour on that weekend. Um, but that is a special tour weekend that, that the announcement is on there for. And the only difference between that weekend and, and any other day is that weekend we have a couple gentlemen, uh, Keith Wilden and uh, and another gentleman that that, uh, that come up and help us because they've been doing this tour longer than I have. I've been here for a little over a year, even though I knew the history and I've been coming here for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith and another gentleman by the name of Rod Lincas have been doing this tour for about 20 years. They were often involved in a lot of the gunfight reenactments and, and whatnot. But anyway, um, we're open every day from 10 to, uh, 10 to 5. So but on that weekend, if you arrive for the 10 o'clock tour or the 2 o'clock tour, admission's only $5. Perfect. But but like I said, you have to make sure. And the reason I say that is, is because I really want people to understand that you're coming to a ghost town. So you're going to have to wear comfortable shoes. This is not a Knott's Berry farm. This is not a Calico ghost town in California where the, the streets are all paved and it's easy and there's cold drinking fountains everywhere and, and comfortable bathrooms and there's rides. This is a true... 100% authentic ghost town. This is dirt streets. The buildings are, are, are beautiful in their own way. Um, they are gorgeous in history, um, but they are not going to be air conditioning with ceiling fans and, and fun rides. This is, You're stepping back in time and you're seeing Shakespeare, you know, probably not the way the miners would have seen it, but it's, you're going to have to bring comfortable shoes. Don't bring sandals because um, it's going to be uncomfortable to walk around the rocks. Um, you know, bring tennis shoes, uh, work boots if you have work boots. You know, do things that, um, um, that you would normally do uh, if you're out hiking somewhere with water. And bring water, that too, and bring a comfortable hat. Um, the other thing I want people to know is, uh, sorry about this, I'm getting a phone call. Um, the other thing I want people to know is that I, if I'm correct, Pancho Villa was in town. Uh, you know, he may he may have been through, uh, and he may have bought bought some horses from here. Um, you know, but he would have been in and around the area for sure. I, I don't know whether he was actually through town, but he may have been through and bought horses here. Uh, and you know, during uh, during his time as well, um, you know, we don't have any real uh, history saying he was actually here, um, but uh, he may have been. I mean, and it would have been, made sense that he would have came here uh, to buy horses or something, but uh, we don't know that for sure. 
And then, now, and, and this is another story, um, and I, we, we spoke about it the other day. It's, it's a story that can't be authenticated. Is that right? Authenticated. There you go. Can't be authenticated. But there has been a story that Curly Bill Brocious, after being killed by Wyatt in Sulphur Springs, or in the, in the over by St. David area, they think, um, Iron Springs, that's what it was, not Sulphur Springs, Iron Springs. And uh, people were yelling at me going, it's Iron Springs. Uh, Curly Bill, when he was shot by Wyatt in the Iron Springs area, that his body was brought to Shakespeare and buried down in the basement of the store, correct? Um, well, um, that's, well. It's a story. Right. You know, there's no way to authenticate this, but according to the people of the town here, actually, Wyatt Earp, even though he claims he shot Curly Bill, uh, according to the people here, he never, that never happened. He never shot. He claimed he shot Curly Bill, but that ever happened, according to the people here. According to the people here, they claimed that uh, actually Curly Bill had developed measles and 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 died of measles and uh, was buried in the bottom of the general merchandise to keep his enemies from gloating about his death. In other words, they wanted to keep it hush-hush and no one know that he had passed um, from this. That's the story that the people tell here. Now, there really is no way to authenticate that. We do know there are bones in the underneath the general merchandise, um, but uh, there's no way to really prove that they're his. Um, but it is an interesting story. Well, it's enough that that you know there's a staircase to the general merchandise store because it it burned down, right? I think is what I read. Yes, it was lost to fire in 1997. So it was lost to fire. There is the cement um, frame or the basement, and there is a basement, and then there's a floor poured in the basement. Probably at some point they put a cement floor in, and if Bill is down there, he's covered up for eternity until somebody jacks up that floor. But, you know, again, I don't know why you would want to do that, but it is interesting history that that even though... Shakespeare is in New Mexico, there is still a tie to Tombstone. And there's a tie to Arizona because the Cowboys frequently went back and forth between the two. And, you know, it's a great story about the measles because I had heard that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Let me speak this about, you know, I know there's ties to Tombstone, but if you've been to Tombstone and you're expecting to see what's what's at Tombstone at Shakespeare, we are completely different, um, how I say it, experience than Tombstone. Uh, we are very uncommercialized uh, compared to Tombstone. In other words, when you come here, you will not see like 50 different t-shirt shops or 50 different uh, you know places trying to sell you something. That's not what we are. We are an aesthetic ghost town. We're not a tourist trip. Well, and that's what I've, I've been trying to, I, I, you know, I want people to understand when I was telling you about how to bring your money because there's no ATMs. There um you know, you're, you're going to have to make sure that you stop at Lordsburg uh, to get cash. But, and that is true because even though there's a tie as far as historically goes, like Russian Bill went back and forth between Tombstone and uh, they went back and forth between Charleston, Contention, Tombstone, and right in there was Shakespeare. So the Cowboys, yeah, they moved around in those that areas. That cowboy element would have been going back and forth between both, you know, but 
about right. the whole area. Right. But I do want people, and what Davis said is correct, do not expect to come to Shakespeare and expect horse and buggy rides, or don't expect to see uh, stagecoach rides, or um, like, you know, Tombstone has a trolley car that goes around and drops people off. There is none of that. It is 100% authentic. Um, yeah, you're going to see some cars because Dave and his wife can't drive around on horses all day long and get in and do shopping and do the things that they need to do to, to keep up the town, like going to hardware stores and things like that. But the town is 100% authentic, which is why I love it so much because it's hard to find that. I can see it was rated number one ghost town by what the state of New Mexico a few years back. Um, you know what? I didn't know that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, it's rated like one of the number one ghost towns. I want to say like in 2010 or something like that. I mean, that's huge if you think about the amount of ghost towns in New Mexico. The state of New Mexico rated it number one. I mean, that's crazy. So let's talk real quick because honestly, Dave, we're at 45 minutes. Oh, okay. So we got about 10 minutes left. So let's talk about the town itself. So they 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 come to the gate. Um, they park in a parking lot and the road is easy. You can get to Shakespeare with a two wheel, with a car. You don't need a four wheel drive truck. You don't need a high, you don't need a high clearance vehicle. It is a dirt road. So take your time and, and be careful when driving it, but you can get to the town with a vehicle. Uh, if you're in, if you fly into Tucson, you can get a rental car and take the rental car. It won't damage the rental car. It's a safe drive. It's no problem. So when you park, you're going to have a gate, and Dave will come out and say hello to you, and he, he'll, be, uh, he'll be dressed and ready for a tour. What, um, what are the things that they're going to see on the tour? Um, well, you know, uh, during a tour, I give you, you know, I, you know usually once we uh, start the tour, you get, you get the history of the town, and we take you into the various buildings. Like we go into uh, the stagecoach station, uh, and, uh, you know, that has has the the saloon connected to it as well, and uh, the dining room where those two gentlemen were hung. And you know, we walk we walk down Main Street, which were which uh, the main street of the town, which uh, name was changed to Avon Avenue when he was busy renaming the town Shakespeare. Um, and um, you know, I take you into the hotel. You get to see the mail station. Uh, you know, we still have the SA office still stands as well. Um, you know, we have a wonderful blacksmith shop as well. And, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, a, you know, a few other things to see as well, but, uh, it, it's in, the tour takes about an hour, at least an hour to, uh, it can take up to two hours and sometimes longer. It just depends on conversation, but it's a pretty extensive tour. Well, I think I was there, honestly, I think I was there like three hours and, and you may have been, uh, it all, it all Dave couldn't get it rid of me on conversation and, uh, you know, like I said, the tour is pretty extensive. Well, I think Dave was looking at the clock going, I, I'm ready for lunch. It's time for you to go. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm ready to go. No, he was, he was not like that at all. But, <laughs> but um, the town has, you have, um, you have, that's not part of the tour, but it's worth a stop, the Shakespeare Cemetery. Then you have the parking area. You come into Shakespeare. There's multiple buildings there. There's a lot to see. You have a powder room, right, that's built into the side of the hill? I mean, you have a powder room? 
the powder magazine. Power powder magazine room, and you have that, a gift yeah, shop. There's a big difference between a powder room and a powder. Yeah, magazine. I got you. Thank you. Thank you. You're right. Totally, a hundred percent correct. And um, then there's some things that you can see, like um, they do have a small gift shop. So if you're looking for some shirts and maybe water, I think you sell water. We sell water. We have a few uh, different types of, uh, 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 you know, Stuff. soft drinks in there as well, um, as well as water. Um, and mm-hmm. we do have a few uh, a few gift items. We don't have uh, we don't have a lot. We're working on get, getting uh, some more type of things in our little gift shop as well. But mm-hmm. the museum is is very nice. It's, and then and you, it, there's a lot of history to see in there. And, you know, even though I give you uh, quite a bit of history on the tour, we actually have poster boards in the museum that have, you know, articles and, uh, you know, different things from magazines on the history that's been written about the town. And more than I can possibly give in a, in a two-hour tour. I mean, there's literally so much history here that it, it's impossible to tell you everything. Dave is not expecting this, so I'm going to throw it out, and then Dave can be like, I'm not talking about it. There are some spirits that hang out, correct? Um, well, I mean, uh, you know, there's rumors of ghosts here. I mean, like there is with a lot of ghost towns. But you've got some rooms, like you have some. So if you are someone who likes experiencing um, ghosts, and Dave's not going to say 100% like, yep, they're here. Um, nobody can Nobody can do that. But if you right. think that, you know, you want that, because there's a lot of people that really like that kind of thing. They like to go places where there's a potential haunt or two. I can I can tell you there's a couple places in there that Dave was like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, there's something here. I th- where was it? It was the dining room. There was a dining room? Yeah. And, you know, that, that was the hotel and then the dining rooms. There's a, there's a little something in the dining room. So if you show up with Dave... And uh, you like some haunts and some spirits and some uh, those types of adventure, then uh, definitely when you come, go to the dining room and and Dave will show you that. And it's it's pretty cool, but it's the history that we really want to focus on because the walls were original, the ceilings are original, the f- there's furniture, the furniture is all original. Um, there is s- silverware and plates that are original. It's it just blows my mind that Shakespeare is there and not everybody knows about it. It's crazy. So yeah, and you know, it, and for people that are into like you know the paranormal stuff and stuff like you that, you know, um, I'm not a believer or disbeliever in that kind of thing. I really don't know myself. But we have had, you know, actually recently we had. Uh, I don't remember how long for sure ago, a month or so ago, or maybe even two months now. But we did have a paranormal, uh, uh, some people that came in, took a tour, and then wanted to come back with their paranormal equipment. And, you know, they claim that they, you know, that they, you know, got, you know, got some stuff here, and they claim that there are people here. You know, but I, I've never really experienced anything myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's yeah, definitely for, there. Occasionally, I swear I turn lights off and they're on. Um, but, uh, you know, just simple stuff like that. Right. So there's a lot to see in Shakespeare. So, again, um, if you guys want more about Shakespeare, look them up on the Facebook page. Um, that's on Shakespeare. And you can also see lots of cool stuff in history about Shakespeare at www.shakespeareghosttown.com. Again, I'm not paid for this at all. Um, I just really wanted Dave. He owns it on a podcast. We've been talking since October 2019 about doing this podcast because I just absolutely love the town. It's, it's, it grew on me in a short amount of time. 
And, uh, and I think if you guys go to Shakespeare, it's going to grow on you and you're going to see why I rant and rave about it because I'm not rant and rave, but I rave about it because it is just a really cool place. Anything that you want to tell anybody before we go? Um, uh, the only thing I can think of is if you decide you want to come and take a tour, it is uh, exit 22 off of I-10 in Wardsburg. If you get off at exit 22 and, and head south, um, you just, uh, just watch uh, as you're headed south and headed out of town. If you get to the cemetery, if you see the cemetery you went too far, you kind of watch for a road that veers off to the right uh, that has a little sign there that says Shakespeare to the right. Uh, buy it, and you just stay right and follow it around, and it'll lead you right to the gate. And then when you get to the gate, uh, you know, if you don't see me right away, the number is on the gate to call, and if you call... Um, what is the number? Uh, uh, the number is um, uh, 575-542-9034. 575-542-9034. And, uh, and it is best mm-hmm. to call, you know, if you know you're headed out this way and want to take a tour, it's always best to call ahead as well, because... There are, are days we are closed. If I have to go out of town on business or something, we will be closed on that day. Um, so it is best to call just to make sure I'm here. I'm here most days, but there are occasional days when I'm not. Awesome. Well, you guys, listen, This we've already at 50, we're at 53 minutes, Dave. And, okay. And so we're going to close this one up. And I tell everybody, Dave, because you're new to me and we're new to each other, I tell everybody the same thing please, please, please be good humans. That's like the number one thing. There is so much craziness and and weird stuff that goes on in the world. Just be good humans to each other. Hug the ones you love a little tighter. Um, Don't forget about the ones out there that need help because there's there's family and folks around you that need help. And you know what? Just going by and saying hi and maybe dropping a card or dropping a, you know, grabbing a quick meal over at, at Taco Bell or something and bringing them to them. You know, that just makes a world of difference. So, um, and also every single penny that is generated from this podcast and all my podcasts go to the American Cancer Society and the Hope Lodge. And the Hope Lodge, what they do is for every $50 donated, a cancer patient gets to stay absolutely free at the lodge. It's very comfortable for them. They get uh, free meals. They get evening activities. Families can come and visit while the person's, the patient's getting cancer care. And 100% of every penny that is generated from our podcast that you're listening here goes to the American Cancer Society and Hope Lodge. So please let folks know about the podcast here on Anchor and Apple iTunes and Spotify because that's our goal. Our goal is to get another 50 bucks going so that we can help some more people stay another night for free at the Hope Lodge and they don't have to worry about cancer care and chemo and all the things that are going on and then have to worry about where they're going to stay near the hospital. So that's what we do. That's what we're about. And, and I just appreciate you guys so much. Um, again, Dave, I appreciate the time. You can find out everything about WW, uh, Shakespeare on www.shakespeareghosttown.com. And on the Facebook page, if you type in Shakespeare, it's a closed group. Um, once you hit the little like thing, Dave will approve it. And then you're a member and you're a family member of Shakespeare. And then you have to go because Shakespeare is going to be going, why didn't you show up? Um, yeah. Go ahead. And if, uh, you know, we do, there are three simple questions on the Facebook page. And, and if you would like to be a part of the Facebook page, yeah, please just answer the questions and know me. So I know you're generally interested. Awesome. Okay, guys, until next time, we'll see you soon. Be good humans, and we'll talk to you later.